Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So here we are in the second week of our journey through Exodus. Exodus is so much like this action movie. So much happens in it. There are so many different events and key people. And last week, Eve introduced us to Moses and his role. So this week, she says, Joanna, could you please preach on chapters 4 to 14? Okay, so we have 11 chapters to do tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And um, uh, within that, a huge amount happens. In fact, we could say that the defining events of the Old Testament happen in these chapters. So I hope you're settled in for a long time. No, actually, what we're going to do is look at chapter 4 in detail. Because in lots of ways, I think that chapter 4 is like a trailer for the next 11 chapters. Now, I don't know if you're a fan of trailers or not. My brother and I used to play the game when we went to the cinema. Uh, that, um, we used to go to the cinema quite a bit, my brother and I. And, and when the trailers came on, you, the first person to guess which was the film that was coming out, okay, got a point. Probably really annoyed the people around us. So we're like, yes! And, um, and some trailers were really good because they'd kind of hint at what was going to happen and they'd kind of wet your taste buds and, and, and you'd think, oh, I'd really like to see that film. And they'd introduce the key themes and what was going to happen. Other trailers, you felt by the end of the trailer you'd seen the film, so you didn't really need to go and see it because you knew the story, you knew what was going to happen. Now, I think that in this trailer of chapter 4, we're introduced to the amazing themes and some of the key things that are going to happen in these chapters. But I hope that it doesn't make you think, I don't need to read the rest of them, because there's so much in them. And I encourage you to be reading through this book of Exodus, to be looking through the details But spoiler alert, we are going to talk about all that happens in these chapters. So, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're in chapter 4. And here is Moses. Moses has had this amazing experience of a burning bush and the voice of God speaking to him and revealing his name to him. And yet Moses is still feeling nervous. Not only has he got to go to Pharaoh and speak, before he does that, he's got to convince his own people, the Israelites, that he can speak on their behalf, that he can be trusted and that God has spoken to him, that he's the one. And he says, he says to God, how can, I, how can I do that? And so God reveals to him a series of signs The first one is he says, that staff that you are holding in your hand. Now, Moses would have had a staff in his hand because he'd been a shepherd. That had been his day job. 
And so he has this staff that would have been the ordinary tool of the trade, as it were, used to kind of, you know, hook around the necks of lambs that had got in trouble and beat off wolves that were coming to eat your sheep. He he had a staff. So God says, throw it on the floor. He throws it on the floor, and it turns into a snake. And I love that the reaction is just what you would do. It says Moses ran away. Okay, there's a snake on the floor. Moses runs away. And God says, no, pick it up. That's the moment when I would have said, this is too much. This is too big a job you're asking of me, God. But Moses picks up the end of the star, and it turn, the snake, and it turns again into a, sna- a staff. God is revealing and demonstrating to Moses and giving him something that can demonstrate to the people of Israel his power. He is demonstrating his power. His power over creation. He is the God who spoke and creation came into being. He can make a snake out of a a stick. He is the God who speaks and life comes about. But there's also a sense in this sign that that he's saying even more than that. Because the snake was was a key symbol in the life of the Egyptians. If you've ever seen a picture of the pharaohs, then they would would have, um, there we go, um, a snake on the top, a cobra. It was a sign of authority that the pharaoh had, a sign of his power. And he was God. Showing that as Moses faced the authority of Pharaoh, he'd be able to turn it into something that was lifeless, that had no power, like a stick. God was revealing his power. And when Moses, in the chapters to come, goes to face Pharaoh, and says, let my people go, and Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he says no. So God begins to bring a series of plagues, and each one of them reveals something of the power of God. Do you know, in the seven days of creation, God speaks ten times, and life comes into being. And there is abundance and beauty And here, as Pharaoh turns his back on the living God, as Pharaoh tries to keep the people of Israel from being who they were meant to be, so God speaks through Moses and Aaron, and ten plagues are released. They're like a kind of de-creation. Chaos comes about as God reveals his power. And many of them have, have other symbols in them. So the, the second plague is a plague of frogs. A plague of frogs. And um, in lots of ways, in the creation narrative where, where creatures are, are called to be in abundance, but, but here they're teeming in such a way that it's destructive. In Egypt, the goddess of childbirth had the head of a frog. Remember in chapter 1 in Exodus, 
the Egyptians had tried to eradicate the Israelite male population. Now here is a symbol that God is greater than any goddess that they pray to. Plagues come from the water. Plagues come from the land. Plagues come from the air, each bringing chaos. And each time through those plagues, God speaks and says, this is that you might know that I am Yahweh. This is a revelation of the power of God. And the ninth plague is a plague of darkness, destructive, chaos. But it also, again, speaks loudly that God is the God. For the Egyptians worshipped the God, the sun god, Re. And the pharaohs, many of them, were called the sons of Re. And God brings darkness and declares again that he is the God of power who speaks and there is light. He is the God who put the sun in the sky, the staff into a snake is just a trailer of the power of God. Then God gives Moses a second sign. He says, take your hand and put it in your cloak. And as he pulls it out, it is covered in a, a kind of leprous disease. It is unclean. God says, put your hand back in your cloak. And when he come, brings it out, it is clear and healed and whole. God declares and demonstrates that he is a God of cleansing, a God who heals, a God who makes new. And as we read in the chapters to come, we will see Moses lead his people through the Red Sea. And this bedraggled, fearful group of people who have been enslaved in Egypt will walk through these waters and become a new people, a people chosen by God, a people whom he, in lots of ways, will cleanse. He will wash the Egyptians away, literally, and enable the Israelites to worship him in freedom. He's a God who brings healing and life. The staff, a symbol of the power of God. The hand, a symbol of the cleansing of God. And then the Lord says to Moses, if they don't believe you after those two, take some water from the Nile and pour it out and it will become as blood. Here we have a preview of the first plague when God will turn the waters of the Nile and waters everywhere 
that the Egyptians used for drinking into blood. This was a demonstration that that went right to the heart of Egyptian life. For the Nile was the very source of life. It was why Egypt grew into this land, because they had the Nile. The Nile was the source that enabled them to grow crops. It was the source of life. The very existence depended on it. And God turns it into blood. Blood is a sign of both life and of death. In chapter 12, the Israelites are given instructions for a special meal the night before the final battle between Moses and Pharaoh, between God and Pharaoh. The Israelites are to eat a lamb, to gather in their households and to take an unblemished lamb. And as they eat, they are then to take some of the blood of the lamb and to put it on the doorposts. Why? Because the tenth final and terrible plague was to be the death of the firstborn. And as the angel of death was over the people, so any household that had that blood of the lamb on it was saved. They would have life. They would not know death. The blood of the lamb would enable them to live. Again, God demonstrating that he is a God of judgment. For he heard the cries of the Israelites. He heard their cries, and he was responding in power. He was responding in bringing life, but he was responding in judgment too. How dare people treat his people, the people he called his firstborn, Later in chapter 4, he describes them as his firstborn. How dare they be treated in the way they've been treated? And God acts. For when there is violence against those whom he loves, the heart of God aches. When those are kept in slavery, whom God has created for freedom, the heart of God aches. And he acts. And Moses is to be the mouthpiece for this. God loves his firstborn and will always act. And we see as we turn our eyes in Lent and look to Easter, we will see that God gives his firstborn to die. The son of God, an unblemished lamb, that his blood might enable us to know life and life in all its fullness. God demonstrates 
his judgment, but his love for his children. We stand in awe of the God who demonstrates his power to his people. But where does that leave Moses? Moses has just seen these incredible signs. He's just seen a snake, a staff, turn into a snake. He's just seen his hand cleanse. He's been told that the waters will turn to blood, and still he's like, but I still can't speak. I still can't do this. God takes Moses on an amazing journey. At that point, he provides for him what he needs to say yes. He says, I will speak through your brother Aaron. You can use him. But notice when we get to chapter 14 that David read for us. In chapter 14, the Israelites have finally been let go by Pharaoh. After all of this sign of the power of God, how great he is, and the chaos and destruction that's been unleashed on the Egyptian land, Pharaoh says, go, go. And so the Israelites go, and they follow Moses, and they get to the sea. And by this time, Pharaoh's changed his mind and realized what he's done. He's let go his labor force. How can he do that? And so he's chasing behind. And the Israelites cry out to Moses and say, what have you done? You have brought us out here simply to die in the desert. Now that is the point when I would have said, I knew this was a mistake. This is terrible. And curled up in a ball. But Moses has seen the power of God. In chapter 14, Moses is no longer the quivering, I don't know what to say. Moses is no longer, please send someone else. Moses turns to the people, and he is the one who says to them, do not be afraid. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. No longer is it about Moses. He knows it's not about him. It's God who does it. It's God who has done each of those signs. It's God who's done each of those acts, and it's God who will save them. And as Moses points to the living God in his power and majesty and might, so Moses finds his voice. And Moses is able to speak. You need only be still, he says. And then he takes his staff, that humble sign that he's just a shepherd. And with that humble tool of his trade, God asks him to hold it above the waters and the waters part. And the people of Israel walk through. God's chosen people to be a blessing to the whole world, to demonstrate his love for all.
I wonder sometimes, have we lost sight of just how awesome, in the correct way of using the word awesome, God is? That he is almighty. That he is Lord of creation. That he hates evil and loves his people with a passion. Have we become like Moses, so focused on what we can't do and what we can't say and what we're not able to do that we've forgotten to lift our eyes and point to the one who makes a way and leads us forward? Our God is great and powerful. And he longs for us, like Moses found his purpose, to lead the people. What was the purpose that God kept saying? Why he was leading the people out of Egypt? You know, not simply for freedom. He was leading them that they might worship the living God. To bring them to a place where they could worship. For it is as we worship, we discover who we are and who God is. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.